You know, before we get there, uh, I point you to your connection card. I just want to make a, a few announcements here that I'd like your attention. Um, the first one has to do with that we, uh, Eric, where's Eric? Eric, where are you? Oh, he's in the back. He's waving his hands like this. But Eric Hoxie will be going uh, into our neighborhood handing out 220 roses. If you'd like to be part of this outreach, it'd be fun, wouldn't it be fun? You roam around the neighborhood and hand out roses to people and just reminding them about this coming Sunday's Easter. Um, meet with Eric in the library, right? Library at noon. If you'd like to be a part of that, go out and just roam around the neighborhood and handing out roses. Ah, what a great thing, okay? So at noon in the library. Um, also, for anyone who's going to help cook for the Easter breakfast next Sunday, uh, two things. One is that there's going to be a meeting for those who are going to help cook, and that's going to be out in the patio. Ram, where are you? Oh, patio, right? Patio at 12 o'clock, from about 12 to 12.30 or so. Can they grab food first and go out there? Yeah. So, so especially you guys that, that love to cook and you're going to be there early and make us a great breakfast, okay, 12 o'clock after service here on the patio, meet with Ram, and you guys are going to talk about the breakfast. But also related to the breakfast, uh, if you are going to be going to the breakfast and there's no charges for anyone who wants to go to the breakfast, you want to bring your family, you want to bring your neighbor, you want to bring your, your, your community club, hey, come to the breakfast, but we're trying to get a rough head count. So on your connection card this morning, if you could put your, uh, just say you're coming to the breakfast, how many people, total number, that would be really helpful to our guys as they're going to be purchasing this week and preparing the breakfast for next week at Easter. Isn't this a neat thing? This is a neat little, uh, you can use it as a bookmarker, okay? Uh, this inside your bulletin, it, talk, it gives us some times for next Sunday, April 16th, which is Easter, Breakfast starting at 8.30, uh, egg, uh, egg hunt for kids at 10 a.m., worship service at 10.30, activity for the kids at 10.30. Also not mentioned here is between the breakfast time and the 10.30 service, so roughly starting at about 9.15, we're going to have a, a couple of short films that I'll be showing in the social hall on our screens on the wall in the social hall. So that's something that we'll, that we'll, we'll present that uh, just kind of get some dialogue and some, some conversation going, and, and that will be before the service, between the breakfast and the service. Okay, so next Sunday, big deal. We make a big deal of Easter here, and that's because Easter is a big deal for the church, but realis realistically for the whole world. Okay, so now, connection card. Green and white card, it's in your bulletin. If you can give us some information, you know, whatever you'd like to give us, and after you do that, leave it on your pew, but keep in mind if you're going to come to the breakfast, and we hope that you do, and hope that you invite your neighbors and friends and relatives to come and just grab a great breakfast with us tomorrow, um, and next Sunday, um, just mark it on your card, leave it on the pew, okay? Let's see, is there anything, as you're doing that, uh, college young adult meeting at 1.30 uh, today, and naturally, we have, for, especially for you who are maybe your first time here, know that after every Sunday service, we serve a light lunch in our social hall. So please consider staying and joining us for lunch. Okay? And other things you can, you can um, 
you can read on, on, the, on the back of your program after the service. Okay, if you have your Bible, <clears throat> I invite you to open up to the Gospel of John. You know, Gospel, we call it Gospel, which is good news. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospel of John. We're going to look at chapter 12. And today is Palm Sunday. Now, for you, if you've been in the church a while, you understand that this is the, the week that kind of starts off the Passion Week. We're heading toward, toward the resurrection. And today we're celebrating, we're, we're focusing in on that Sunday when Jesus entered Jerusalem and said to the whole world, I am him, I am the Messiah. And he's entering Jerusalem as their king. Okay, so let's look at John chapter 12. I'm just going to read a couple of verses right now, and we'll get into more detail in, in the message. So John chapter 12, uh, reading uh, verse 12 and 13. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Let's pray. Father, as we're gathered today, and we're going to focus in on that day that Jesus entered Jerusalem, and for all of Jerusalem and all those in the vicinity to understand that he is the Messiah. Father, we, we pray that you'll bless this time and make this, this study relevant to us here in the 21st century. Help us to, to be able to, to relate these truths to our world today. So thank you, Lord. Bless this time. May you be honored and glorified in all that we say and do now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, did you guys hear that the Raiders are uh, going to Las Vegas? You know, someone told me years ago, it's impossible to be a Christian and a Raider fan. Uh, you know, the way they, they dress up and everything. But, you know, the, the Raiders are moving from Oakland to Las Vegas. They're going to be closer to Los Angeles. And you know what that means. If you're a football fan at all, or even just heard news, that means it's, it's kind of a tougher thing for the Rams. You know, the poor Rams. You know, all last football season, they were steadily, steadily kind of losing their, their, their crowd, their attendance in the stadium. Um, and, and there's a few reasons for it. The number one reason is that L.A. people are fickle. L.A. people uh, are, gravitate toward winners. And, and if you can't prove you're a winner, uh, they're just not there. And so that's one reason. Then another reason is that the Rams haven't convinced people that they are winners. I was going to show a picture of the quarterback up here, but, but I, I didn't choose that. And, but the third reason is besides having the, the Raiders moving closer Los Angeles going to Las Vegas, they also got the Chargers. The Chargers are, have already moved to Los Angeles. So you got the Chargers and you got the Raiders close by and, and here are the Rams and the poor old Rams. They, they may be the, the one that's, that's, that's out, out of the count. But you know when we think about it, Southern California, we have so many distractions too. There's so many things we could be doing here. And if a team isn't winning, it's kind of like, oh, I'm not going to waste my time here, Right? Sometimes that's the way it is if you're not really a fan. And Los Angeles isn't known to have really diehard fans like other areas. 
You know, Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross so people would come to know the Father. We know that. But, but, but just like the rams, when you really think about it, Jesus faced challenges to really win the hearts of the people. And that's what God wants. God wants your heart. And way back then, Jesus made it, made it clear that God wants your heart, your love, your relationship. Yet the wonderful thing, no matter whether God has your heart or not, and we're going to look at this today, no matter what your spiritual temperature might be in regards to your affection or relationship with God, God loves you. The Bible is so clear on that, that God loves us. And, and no matter where we are in our degree of understanding who he is or, 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 or receiving the things that he wants us to receive and understand about him, no matter where we're at, God still loves us. When we read Paul's letter in Romans, um, the, the letter Paul wrote to the church in, in Rome, and, and we read Romans chapter 5, 7 and 8, Paul wrote these words, and we take them as from the Lord. Rarely, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Today we celebrate Palm Sunday. Today we celebrate the day Jesus entered Jerusalem as their king. Finally, he's getting up on that donkey and he's saying, here I am, I'm your king. I am that one prophesied centuries ago. I'm here now. And all sorts of people gathered to welcome him. And their hearts were in different places, just like in our world today. Isn't it tough today to think about the real spiritual things that, that have spoken to your heart and to think about the world today and will they receive it? It's a tough thing. I think it's getting tougher and tougher, just like Pastor Corey uh, spoke about the other, the other Sunday, is that in our society it's getting tougher and tougher for our society to grab onto and to really buy into the things that are so fundamental and important in God's word. So we're going to look at a few of these people. We're going to start off, but there were those who needed to be convinced. Yeah, in the crowd, there were those who needed to be convinced. And you know them. There are people today who are in the same category. But let's look at what, what the scripture says. Let's turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I'm going to read uh, just a few verses. John chapter 10. Verses 22 to 24. Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. See, the setting of this text is in the month of December. And it was a rainy season then. And this was a month of, of uh, uh, months, this was really months prior to, to the Passover in which Jesus entered Jerusalem. 
And this occurred at the end of Jesus' public ministry. So we, can, we know that Jesus ministered for approximately three years, and his ministry was coming to a close. And here these guys kind of corner Jesus. Here these guys corner Jesus and have a question for him. And it was the Feast of Dedication. Now, you know what we call the Feast of Dedication today? If you have a Jewish friend and if, you've, if you're connected with just how things are going on at even grocery stores, it's Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a Feast of Dedication. And the Feast of Dedication is, is actually uh, commemorates the re-consecration of the temple by Judas Maccabee. And this happened in the year 165 B.C. So 165 years B.C. prior to the coming about of, of Christ. And the, the, the temple had to be rededicated because it was basically trashed. It was trashed. Uh, it was defiled. For, for um, um, we have Antiochus Epiphanes. He was a Greek king, and he was ruling over Syria. And he attacked, and he went to the temple, and he defiled the temple to just kind of to, to, to bring down the Jews and just to break their morale. He put a, a slaughtered a pig on the altar, and uh, Judas Maccabees went to war against him, and he won. And this was this feast of Hanukkah, this feast of dedication, was a time of reconsecration, reconsecration of the temple. And during these eight-day feasting time, this is when this crowd gathered, and, they, and these guys cornered Jesus, and they say, Jesus, tell us, tell us if you are the Christ. Tell us if you are the anointed one of God. Tell us plainly. Don't tell us in parables. Don't tell us in symbolic language. Just tell us, are you the one? And you know what this reflects? I think we can all kind of relate to this. It reflects that human nature that all of us have of needing evidence. We need that evidence of that invisible God and his working in our lives. We need that. We all need that. I know that I personally, I personally would not have survived in the ministry as long as I have without seeing God work in the people around me and work in my own life. I just would not last it. It would have been phony. I would have been just going through the motions. See, that ongoing convincing, that ongoing affirmation of God being real and working in our lives, that is important. It's, it's, that, it's that evidence that, that all this God stuff is real. Let's go on. Look at, look at, the, at verses 25 to 26. This is how Jesus responds to those men who cornered him. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. See, the first thing Jesus states is, I have told you. How? Through my miracles. How? Through, through my actions and how I love. How? Through, through my life that you've witnessed. 
the countless healings, the feeding of the crowd with absolutely no food in hand, the calming of the storms, and, and actually d- define nature. See, he said to these men, you have seen me doing things around you, and yet you do not believe. When I read this, I thought, if Jesus were sitting here in our church today, and we asked him those same questions, Jesus, where have you been, man? Man, I haven't, I haven't seen much of you in my life. And he could probably see the same things. He's saying, haven't you seen me working in your life? Think about it. Would you be the same person you are today if you had never met me? Are you telling me that, you don't, that there's not a single prayer you can think of that, that was answered? Don't my words speak truth to your heart? Haven't they touched you in some way? See, Jesus is saying the same to these men that he would say to us today. I am around you. I am working around you. I'm working through you. I'm doing things. You just gotta, you just gotta open your eyes. Believe. Look at verse 26 and 27. But you do not believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. See, God desires that none should perish. We know that. We know that in a letter from Peter. His desire is for everyone to come to him. That's his desire. Actually, since Pentecost, when we think of Pentecost, the coming down of the Holy Spirit into the lives of those who place their faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has been convincing minds and, and, and opening hearts to the reality of God and, and God's love for, for, for each person. And, and hopefully some of these very men that we're reading about in John chapter 10, hopefully some of them came to become one of Jesus' sheep, part of his flock, you know, later on, even though it's not recorded. See, in spite of our unbelieving nature, God the Holy Spirit keeps on working. I don't think we would. You know, that's the amazing thing about God's love. God's love is amazing. No matter how you respond, no matter how I believe, no matter how many times I'm saying, God, where in the world are you? God continues to work in our lives. He continues to love us. That is amazing love. Let's go on. Because there were those who chose not to believe. They just plain old chose not to believe. See, in, in chapter 11, we read of how, how Jesus raised his, his friend Nazareth from the grave. We didn't read it this morning, but we've read it in the past. And if you know your Bible, you know that Jesus had this friend Lazarus. And Lazarus became dreadfully ill. And Jesus waited. He knew that, that he needed to get there after Lazarus had died. And when he did get there, even though he knew he was going to raise him from the dead, he wept. He wept because, because he has that, that, that empathy for the, the crowd and just the heaviness of sorrow, of death, physical death. But then what did he do? He raised him. He raised him 
from the dead. And many heard what he did. And they were waiting for him because of, of this man, Jesus, and who raised this man, Lazarus, from the dead. All these people were coming in from all over the Roman Empire for the Passover said, What? No. Yeah. And this guy's coming into Jerusalem. So that's why there are so many crowds just waiting. When is this guy coming in? When's he coming in? And then when the word got out, he's coming in. He's coming into Jerusalem now. The crowds were there, and they're waiting for him. Everyone heard about Lazarus' resurrection. But when the Pharisees heard of what Jesus had done, Instead of marveling at such an incredible miracle, an incredible sign of God's presence and power, they got together and they said, we got to stop this guy. See, when the Pharisees heard this, their concern was, hey, this guy's winning the people. This guy, this guy is doing things that that are pulling the crowd away from us, the spiritual leaders. Look at verse 45 to 48. This is chapter 10. You know what? I don't even have a 45 to 48 here in chapter 10. If your Bible has it, it's, yours is wrong too. Chapter 11, thank you. See, see how we work together? That is so cool. Okay, look at 45 to 48. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. That's like the Supreme Court. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Wow. You know, these men, when you think about what we're talking about here, we're talking about men who are basically more political than they were spiritual. And we know how ugly politics can be. You've been watching the news, reading today, but politics is a, such a tough game. It's an ugly one. When these Pharisees heard what was going on, all they can think is, we need to stop this guy. He's winning the hearts of the people. Think about it. When we think of people who choose not to believe things, I think most of us can come up with at least one or two names or someone's face comes to our mind. Do we know people who are so logical, who are so rational, who are so material in their view of the world and the things that are around them that they refuse to believe in the spiritual? They refuse to believe, don't even mention God. They, they refuse to believe of the spiritual realm? Do we know people who pride themselves? They pride themselves on, on, this is my life. I am the king of my life. And so my way is the only way. 
So, so when Jesus comes knocking at the door of their heart, no matter what happens, you know, they're not going to open it. They may have been prayed for on their sick beds. They may have even showed up at church at Christmas and Easter. But so far, they have chosen to not believe that there is a God and there is a Savior who died for them. You know, but God still loves them. Isn't that amazing? God still loves them. As much as he loves you, as much as he loves me, God still loves those people. And he doesn't stop loving them. God, God keeps trying to win them. And that's that unconditional love that you and I just can't touch. We can't come close to that. You know what unconditional love says? You know, hey, do whatever you want to me. You know, I, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to love you. See, we have a tough time with that because we are so conditional. God is not. You know, years ago, there was a woman who was attending this church. And she was known by really a large number of people. And I found out later on as I started to meet people, she was known by a lot of people in her, in her, in her community as a Sunday school teacher who helped hundreds over the years come to love and embrace Mormonism. Those are Latter-day Saints Church. She taught in the Mormon church for over 25 years. But only because of the insistence of her husband that she started to attend here on Sunday. So she and her husband were here in the congregation, and they were here for quite some time. And I always thought, I knew her background. I knew people who actually said, yeah, when I was a little kid, you know, I met, I met a, a Mormon person who was very very prominent in the Mormon church, said, yeah, she was the one who, who, who just nurtured me all the way along. But because of her husband saying, we're going to a Christian church, God let him hear. And she was sitting in the pews, and I always thought, yeah, I wonder if any of the things that we're saying here is really touching her heart. Well, then one day, she found out she needed a very, very sensitive surgery. It was one that was really a, a life saving surgery, something that was so sensitive that she could, she could die on the operating table. And she was really, we could say, scared. And her husband, he said to me, would you, would you drive out, because the hospital is a ways away, would you drive out there and would you uh, pray for God's protection on her? And because of traffic and everything, I, I got to the hospital and, and, and I got there right in time because they already prepped her. And she was in the preparation room. They're going to wheel her into the surgery room. And so they allowed me to go in there and be with her for the last minutes before they're going to wheel her into the operating room. And I said to her, you know, I'm not going to pray for protection over you. You need to pray and put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. That's where it begins. And God will honor that prayer. And she did. She prayed with me, and I felt it was real. And so she went into the surgery, and she came out. And everything, zero complications, everything went fine. But when she finally got back in the church, my goodness, she was born again. She had a, a, a glow on her face during worship that she never showed before. She was just plugging into this and plugging into that, and it was so encouraging. And I thought, praise God, God did not give up on this woman. 
See, the Bible says a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And it says that his love endures forever. Love's amazing. It really is. Think of you. What would you be doing if you weren't here? Probably a lot of different things, right? But you are, and you're here because God showed you that his love for you is real. There are those who just want along with the crowd. Let's look at another group. There are those in the crowd that just went along with the crowd. Look at, at John 12. Let's look at verses 9 through 13. John 12, 9 through 13. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. See, that day, that day, everybody went running. You know, men, women, children, Jew, Roman, Greek, they all went because they heard that this Jesus guy, this guy who does these incredible things, was coming into town. You ever do that? You know, when I was a kid, I really date myself. If you're close to my age, you, if I say this name, you're going to say, yeah, I remember him. How many of you remember Engineer Bill? Yeah. We'll grab lunch together later. Engineer Bill, he used to have a TV show, and, and they had a red light, green light, you drink your milk, red light, green light. But anyway, Engineer Bill came to my community, and I heard about it. And man, I ran like crazy that Saturday morning, I heard about it. There were tons of kids there just lining up, and it was a, just a mass of people to see good old Engineer Bill. One kid said to me, Mom, why are we here? And all the mother dragging her, her son to see Engineer Bill. And there are people in the crowd who are like that. Some of them may not have really known why they were there, but they were there. They were there. This man stands up to the Pharisees, they're thinking. This man heals the sick. This man feeds the hungry. Man, this is the guy I can get behind. That's why some of them are there. They weren't there because they saw him as the Messiah. They saw him as the person who could fill their stomachs and overthrow the Romans. So that Sunday, they all shouted together, Hosanna! And they waved their palm fronds in jubilation. Blessed is the King of Israel. Five days later, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! You know, what changed? What changed? There were some planted voices in the crowd and they shouted, crucify him. But I kind of have a hunch, and this isn't in the Bible, but think about it. Jesus was up for well over 24 hours when they arrested, when they took him to trial. 
He was up for well over 24 hours, 30 hours. And they, and they took him and they abused him. The temple guards abused him. They threw him before various authorities and various trials, both, both Roman and, and Jewish leadership. He looked a mess. And maybe, just maybe, Jesus didn't look anymore like the king. So when they brought him up before the crowd, some shouted, you know, when they shouted Hosanna when he came in, looking all fresh and, and, and neat, he stood before them half naked and beaten. And when they threw up Barabbas and said, hey, you want this guy free? You know Barabbas, he's one of you. He's one of the community guys. Or do you want this guy free? This guy who says he's your king. All of a sudden, he doesn't look like a king. And so they say Barabbas. Because a lot of times, a crowd just likes a winner. Did you know the Dodgers and the Angels had their opening game this past week? I'll cheer for either one. Just give me a championship. Clippers and Lakers, I'll cheer for either one. Just give me a championship. I'd say Bruins or Trojans, but it will cause too much problem. <laughs> what I'm saying is what you, you may be thinking, what? You dog. You don't, you're not a true fan. You're just jumping on the wagon. Here I am. And see, that's how the crowd was. The crowd for Jesus, they just wanted to jump on the winning wagon. Jesus didn't look like the winner anymore. And they screamed, crucify him. Nothing had pierced their hearts truly about who Jesus truly was. But know that God hasn't given up on those kind of people. God hasn't given up on your loved ones, your friends, your relatives who don't buy in to the things we believe. They don't care about your Jesus. They look at you coming to church on a Sunday morning and say, man, what a waste of a beautiful day. God still loves them. He doesn't give up on them, and neither should we. Don't give up on your loved ones. Don't give up on your friends. Don't give up on that person you may just meet tomorrow, but he doesn't know the Lord. Remember them. Pray for them. And know that God hasn't given up, so don't you. See, that's how amazing God's love is. And that is the foundation for what we are celebrating now. God's love is amazing. And thankfully, this story doesn't end here. It continues on next week. And if you want to know the ending, you got to come. Next week. We talk about the resurrection, the greatest day on the church calendar. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We look at this story and we say, yeah, Lord. There's nothing new under the sun. There are people just like those people in Jesus' day today. And yet, Father, you love them. And we're thankful you do. So... Help us, Father, to, to do all we can to help them move forward in their faith in you. Let you do all the rest. In Jesus' name, amen.